Welcome to the MUFG Global Markets Podcast with S. Sankoman, Head of Commodities, ESG and Emerging Markets Research EMEA. It's Friday 2nd February 2024 and in this week's podcast with Ehsan, we discuss five ESG questions for 2024. The following podcast is intended for professional investors and eligible counterparties only and not for retail clients. Any content should not be regarded as an offer to conduct investment business or an investment recommendation, but for information purposes only. Hi, Ehsan. How are you today? Hi, uh, great speaking to you, Nazina. Well, thanks. You? I'm also doing well. Thank you. So, Ehsan, you and the ESG team across EMEA have had a busy start to the year in showcasing MEFG's outlook for the ESG complex. And for this week's podcast, you plan to contextualise the top five questions that you and the team believe are most pertinent for the EMEA region when it comes to the implications of ESG on corporate strategies, operations, governance processes and investor sentiment. Can you offer our listeners the key takeaways? Thanks, Nazina. So yes, it has indeed been a very busy start to 2024. And yes, for the purposes of this week's podcast, allow me to break down the five most pertinent questions on ESG in the context of specifically the energy sector. And so Nazina, we start with the overarching thesis of the energy trilemma, that is the balance between affordability, security, and sustainability in harnessing effectively a just and orderly energy transition, to understand how companies are addressing the need to balance in effect the energy transition and decarbonization strategies with the objectives of ensuring energy security and affordability. So Nesnina, we would say that whilst the oil and gas sector has been subject to intense scrutiny with respect to energy transition risks and climate strategies, environmental pressures have eased somewhat since 2022 and investor activism appears to have moved to the demand side of the equation. Now for us, no other part of the oil and gas value chain better illustrates the energy trilemma than the refining segment. Indeed, refiners process crude oil and gas liquids and produce motor fuels, jet fuel, bunker fuels, and heating oils. And not only are they large emitters themselves, but they also have very large scope three emissions footprints and are directly exposed to the risk of falling fuel demand, primarily on the motor fuel side due to electrification of vehicles and possible transition of the aviation and shipping industries to more sustainable types of fuel. And so these issues have made refining companies uninvestable for many institutional investors. Now, higher energy bills seem to have triggered discussions of new refining projects in countries that have been heavily dependent on oil product imports, such as, say, Brazil, which has underscored by the new government's decision to halt the privatization process of the refining sector and restart studies to revamp existing refiners and build new refineries. Nevertheless, appetite for investment in new refining capacity remains somewhat limited globally. And particularly in the EMEA region, most refiners have been focusing largely on upgrades, petrochemical integration projects, and later on, biofuel capabilities. And this trend has continued across companies. Second, as Nina, we asked whether energy transition considerations are affecting fuel demand and companies' operations. And here, I want to examine fuel retailers as, whilst granted they are not large emitters of carbon dioxide, 
they are indeed explicitly exposed to trends impacting customer mobility and fuel demands such as EV adoption rates. Now, broadly speaking, the impact of energy transition trends and decarbonization strategies of host economies is not limited to the adoption of EVs in the transport sector. Indeed, say the GCC region, national governments are also actively developing railway and public transportation systems as part of the national decarbonization strategies. Now, such projects can significantly affect fuel demand, of course, especially on the diesel side, given that such regional infrastructure remains quite underdeveloped. Now, with respect to their own emissions profile, most of the fuel retailers' exposure is related to fuel transportation activities and the electric power supply. And these companies are thus trying to procure electric power from renewable sources and converting their fleets to EV or CNG powered vehicles. Third question we are asking as Nina is how health and safety issues are managed by companies to assess their effectiveness on the global economy. And here we would flag that there are a number of key employee safety performance indicators in the oil and gas industry that are typically reported in sustainability reports. Now, although occupation safety metrics are generally highly standardized, some of the definitions can be quite confusing and many companies report metrics that are not necessarily comparable to those of others and industry benchmarks. And even industry benchmark reports can use metrics that are not comparable as such. Now for the energy sector per se in EMEA, integrated oil and gas companies generally report such metrics separately for direct employees and contractors. And interestingly, the rate of incidence tend to be higher for contractors compared to direct employees at most companies. So it may be partly explained by the fact that these employees are often involved in construction projects where employees are exposed to higher incidence or injury risks. Now, the fourth question surrounds governance and the implications of high state ownership or minority shareholder interests. Now, here, Nazina, governments in the, in the EMEA region usually have high degrees of ownership in the major oil and gas producers, and in some cases, the combination of high state ownership and low free float raises certain obvious corporate governance flags for minority shareholders, which may have limited in terms of their say on strategic direction or decisions, which raises the prospects of potentially decisions or investments that might make sense for the majority shareholders strategically, but could be quite suboptimal for minorities. Now, there's Nina, investors often focus on proportions of independent directors of public companies in the oil and gas sector is no exception. Yet when you take the Middle East, for instance, a large representation of the state on the board may not necessarily be viewed as a negative risk factor by investors in many cases. For instance, the recently listed subsidiaries of Adnock Group often trade at richer multiples than companies without state control in the region, given the encouragingly history of shareholder returns, robust contractual frameworks, and essentially growth potential fueled by the parents' spending plans. Now, the final question is, Nina, is the scale of which ESG objectives are being incorporated into company strategies and existing as well as future operations. Now, across subsectors and geographies, oil and gas companies face various ESG-related challenges and opportunities, and the respective ESG objectives have been incorporated into the strategies and operations of most public or even non-public companies given investor pressure. 
Now, when it comes to the boards of directors, most often the framework excludes executive or risk committee that provide that oversight and review of company plans and performance, as well as advising on sustainability issues. And so bringing this all together, Nazina, the purpose of this week's podcast was to contextualize the five key questions that are broadly top of mind for us on the implications of ESG on corporate strategies, operations, governance processes, as well as investor sentiment across the EMEA region. Of course, we could have gone further into the conversation with further deep dives from various other angles. And we hope as we go forward into 2024, we will continue to showcase these through various avenues in our thought leadership content, as well as general discussions. Thank you for your insights, Ehsan. We look forward to speaking to you again next time. Thanks, Nazdina. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this MUFG Global Markets podcast. Rate, review and subscribe and contact your MUFG sales rep for more information. Come back next week for more insights from the Global Markets Research Team.